This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Martinsville Speedway has been on the NASCAR schedule longer than any other track on the current schedule. There was no track activity scheduled today, but the weather had other ideas. We're still here. It's time for NASCAR America. still have a full hour of NASCAR America. Welcome in everybody. Carol Amano joined by our Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett from NBC Charlotte. And from Martinsville, we have the Mayor Jeff Burton and Parker Kligerman as well. Parker's going to be part of our team coverage during the cup race on Sunday, but he is driving in the truck race tomorrow at Martinsville. Jeff, you're pulling for your twin there, Parker, to win the race, right? You don't have any other rooting interests that we need to know about. I, I actually, oh, I'm, I'm pulling for Parker to finish second. Yeah, I'm pulling for my son to win. <laughs> and, and no, I'm not ashamed to say that. So Parker, help Blood you finish second. Blood is thicker than water, so I, I, I understand. No worries. I don't take any offense to that. But, you know, hopefully it becomes a duel and we have that problem figuring out between the two of us who's going to win that race. So if you wreck my son, you know, like, I can't show up Sunday. Well, no, yeah. No, it'd be yeah, all right. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling skin a little frosty in here, guys. It's cold outside. We got the heat on inside here in the booth, but now it's getting colder suddenly. I don't, I don't know what's happening. DJ, we need you to get yeah. over there and just get in the middle of those two. I could have easily driven to Martinsville if I needed. I'd know I was going to have to separate these two to start with. But uh, I, we can only hope that it does come down to Parker and Harrison uh, battling it out at the, the finish. And uh, may the best man win from there. Gosh, uh, yeah, Harrison uh, doesn't have as much experience as Parker, but um, we'll see how that works out with no practice and just qualifying. Hopefully they both can run up front all day. <laughs> Let's turn our attention to Sunday now if we can. Let's start, gentlemen, by hearing from the playoff drivers on what is awaiting them at Martinsville. Martinsville is, is a place where uh, cars are going to run into each other. You're going to have things happen. And, and with everything on the line, it just seems like that in, in intensity just goes through the roof. When you know it comes down to it and it's towards the end of the race and you need that spot, you want that spot, you're going to do whatever it takes. And if that's ruffling some feathers, then so be it. But you may not even mean to get into somebody. Uh, maybe they slipped up. Maybe you slipped up. Uh, get into them. I mean, things happen at Martinsville. Um, way more often than they do any other racetrack. Do something that somebody doesn't like, you're going to see them again next week, and, and you have to race with them from here out. So you have to keep that in mind. I mean, that's, a, that's the fact of the matter. When everyone is that close to each other and they see their championship right in front of them uh, in the first round of, of the top eight, then uh, people are willing to make some big moves. Right now, if you win Martinsville, you're already locked in for the championship. You don't even have to do anything at Texas and Phoenix because your points are at zero when you go to Homestead. Martinsville, I think, is the single most important race of the year. 
And as we start the round of eight, Kyle Busch is at the top of the playoff leaderboard with a 40-point cushion at the bottom. Eric Amarola, you see there facing a 12-point deficit. He did tell us earlier this week that Martinsville is his best shot for a win to get him to Miami. That's what a lot of playoff drivers have been estimating, DJ. So let's take advantage of this weather by forecasting what Sunday could bring. Let's start with Martin Truex Jr., 0 for 77 on short tracks. Finished as a runner-up in this playoff race last year. Finished fourth in the spring, though his momentum seems to be on the downswing heading into the weekend. What say you about Martin Truex Jr.? Yeah, certainly. Uh, is that's not a stat that as a driver you want on your side. Uh, 0 for 77. But Martin Truex Jr. I'm sure that he would tell everybody, "Hey, I got." this ride in the Cup Series because I was a really good short track racer, and he is that. It's just that sometimes things don't work out. These things are hard to win, and uh, you would have thought at some point in time that he would have made it happen, uh, but I think this is going to be a difficult weekend for them to make that happen. I, I think that probably Eric Almirola put it best there. You're going to do whatever it takes, and we might see that from Martin Truex Jr. He's not normally an overly aggressive race driver, but that might be his best plan of action for this weekend. Jeff, would it surprise you if Martin Truex Jr. won this Sunday? It would. You know, he's been in, he's been in the Cup Series for so long uh, to not have won a, a short track race tells a story. I think he's a good race, a good short track racer, but he's not a great short track racer. And you know, I really don't like to talk about stats from five years ago because I think it really doesn't matter. Uh, what really matters is what you can do now. And when I look at what Martin Truex Jr. and his team did here in the spring, they finished fourth, ran really well, but they didn't earn stage points in any of the of the first two stages. So that tells me they clawed out a decent yeah. finish. Uh, but didn't run as well as they finished. So I think they're going to have some work to do. You know what's funny? I think it's so funny that from that race, that crazy race we experienced here last year at this time, everyone forgets, I think, in so many respects, that Martin Truex Jr. finished second in that race. I mean, it was, it was just you didn't think that was not something that jumped your mind. But then you look at the stats and you start you can put the statistics aside. I think it's odd he has not won in a short track. I think when how good he runs at Bristol, how well he's run here, how many laps he's led at Richmond. Yep. I mean, I think it's really odd he has not won a short track. Do I think it's going to happen this weekend? No. But I think you, you look at his stats and you say that is a guy that should have won a short track. It reminds me so much of Kurt Busch at the Super Speedways. Up until that Daytona 500 win, he was the best Super Speedway racer not to have won on a Super Speedway. I, I think another thing working against him, and, and, and DJ was alluding to it as well, is that you know we are we, we know what's going on with that team, and and you know it's just so hard. Steve Tart keeps talking about how hard it is to keep everybody lined up, focused, paying attention to what's at hand, and, and I think that's going to become harder as the, these last four races continue because people. This is how you make a living. We think about it as, as fun yeah. to watch, but people are out there figuring out what they're going to do for a living, and that does distract from, from getting that car ready. No doubt. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there because I just think that has to be a slight distraction. Even if everyone knows where they're going, it has to be a distraction. DJ, so Parker just mentioned Kurt Busch there, and Jeff said that he basically doesn't care about stats that have nothing to do with recent history and performance, which is fine. I wonder if you care about the fact then that Kurt Busch has won at this track, given the challenges that he is up against this weekend. He said as much that it's going to be a difficult place for them to do well. Yeah, well, I think it does matter if you've won, but it's been a while since Kurt Busch has done that, but and things have changed. But I think that as a driver... You understand uh, what it takes. Uh, everybody goes there with the idea that they can win. They've won on short tracks, so they can make it happen. But if you haven't done it, you don't totally understand what it takes, what position you need to be in, 
what you need your race car to feel like when that final practice ends on Saturday afternoon uh, to understand and give yourself a, a chance of being in the mix and making it happen. The moves you have to make uh, on Sunday afternoon and the patience that you have to have. So I, I think this is a I think this is probably, in my opinion, Kurt Busch's best chance uh, to, to grab a win of these three races. Uh, but I think that he's down the list, probably sixth or seventh of those guys that I think uh, have a, the best chance at winning here Sunday. Is this Eric Amarola's best chance, Parker, for a win, do you think, in this round? That's what he tells me. That's what his crew chief, Johnny Klausmeyer, tells me. I mean, they believe this is their best chance. They ran well here in the spring. They feel very confident coming in here, and they circled this race. When I asked them last week, where can you win in this round? How do you get to the championship four? He said, we've got to win at Martinsville, and we can do it. So I believe with that much confidence and the momentum of that win that you're seeing there from Talladega, I believe this team can go out there and win. I don't see a reason they can't. And this kind of lines up to be a race for Eric Amarillo. He is great on the long run. He finds speed over the long run, and I I think this lends itself to what we saw. If we see a similar race that we saw in the spring, which Clint Porter was able to lead so many laps in that second half on the long run, he could be that Stuart Haas car that does that. I find it interesting that they say Martinsville is where they need to win. I would have thought Texas. I, th yeah. I would have thought Texas or even Phoenix. I did nothing against Eric Amarola because everybody's different. I just don't connect the dots with Eric Amarola in Martinsville. I just don't connect the dots. But uh, you just never know. I, I think one thing that's so difficult about uh, these playoffs is, you know, where, how are you running now? And what's yeah. your momentum now? When I look at what they did in the spring, it wasn't very good. They didn't finish top 10. They didn't finish top 10 in any of the stages. Uh, so that's a long way from being able to win. But they also didn't run as well as they're running now. So yeah. I think for a team like that, I think they're looking at their momentum, uh, the positive stuff they have going on. And, uh, you know, I think they – I don't know that they're going to have to win in this stage, but they cannot afford a bad race. So I got an answer for their spring performance, though. They told me. They knew they would not be as good in the beginning of this year as, this, as now because they were building that notebook. So every race they've come back to the second time, they said they've been far better because of that notebook. Let's round this conversation out then, um, Jeff. And DJ, you can chime in as well. But Jeff, I'll start with you. Let's, let's just continue the discussion about Stuart Haas racing. We are going to talk about Kevin Harvick. He's kind of put himself in his own category. But Clint Boyer, with what they've been able to do, how confident should, should that team be heading into the weekend? Well, I, they didn't dominate this race in the spring, but they came pretty close to it. Led over 200 laps, won the race, uh, top five, all, you know, both stages. Uh, I think they have to feel really good about this race. And I think this is a Clint Boyer kind of race. You know, Clint's not the guy that necessarily is going to be the fastest lap time. He's not going to be P1 on the board when they unload for practice. But he's the kind of guy that grinds. He's the kind of guy that he's a point racer. That's what yep. Clint Boyer is, a point racer. And I think that that mentality works really, really well at Martinsville. And he, I've seen him run well here uh, in the past. I think the rhythm of this racetrack suits his driving style. So I think this is a very important race for them because they ran so well here in the spring, it would be really difficult to come here and have a bad day and then try to make it up on, on, in two races. So I'm going to go on the flip side of that and say they cannot do whatever happened at Kansas. Whatever that was that week, last weekend, that cannot show up here. That's yep. the thing. And I think putting that aside, I know Kansas is not one of his best racetracks. The stats tell us that. He's told us that. But that sort of performance and that lack of momentum worries me a little bit coming into place. Yes, they were successful here in the spring. But as we just said, look at the 10 car. They're churning around. The momentum is changing on that car. They're there's a confidence level there. If they can put Kansas aside and almost forget it ever happened, then yes, they can definitely be successful. But I think that's going to be key for them. 
Well, I talked to Clint Boyer last night, and he has put Kansas behind him right now. He has moved on. He's in the round of that's eight. That's good. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and when I look at him, Jeff, I, I think a lot the way that you do. I've seen Clint Boyer take race cars that weren't the best cars at, at Martinsville and run right up front, giving himself a chance to win. And then he had a really good car uh, this spring, did the same thing, led a lot of laps and was able to get that win. I think he knows exactly what it takes to make this happen. He understands that this, too, along with probably five other drivers, uh, so he would make six that know that if they wait till Texas and Phoenix to try to get a win, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick are so very good there uh, that it's going to be difficult to make that happen. So I think Boyer's got an excellent chance. And this is one of those racetracks. They're running the same tire. The race cars, the setups are not going to change much because it's not like that you've learned things from another track that's going to help you a lot. So you bring the same thing back. Uh, Jimmy Johnson did it uh, over the years. Uh, Jeff Gordon did it over the years. Those same things work. And the driving style continues to work, and I think Clint has that down pat. Jeff, you want the last word on that? I, DJ said it. I mean, he and I, are, we completely agree. I, I just, I, I will say this. I think for any of these guys, except for Kevin Harvick and Kyle, Kyle Busch, they cannot afford a bad day. And I no. think it's made worse if you're going somewhere that you are really good at it. So if you're Clint Boyer and you came here and you won in the spring and you, you led so many laps, to come here and not compete at a high level after Kansas, I think that would send them in the wrong direction. So even though we all agree that he can run well here, I think it's extremely important for them to do that and not get negative momentum going against them. Yeah. All right, well, Kyle Busch is where we are going to head next on the show as he looks ahead to the round of eight. What does he think is going to determine what makes it to the championship? We're going to hear from him on that, as well as Dale Earnhardt Jr., who believes that there is one playoff driver who has a leg up on the competition, and guess what? It's not Chase Elliott. For all eight playoff drivers, though, the time has come to put it all on the line. Nate Ryan is going to discuss that as part of a special essay for us. You do not want to miss that. And where does last fall's mayhem rank in our top five wildest moments at Martinsville? All of that and more coming up here on NASCAR America. Just getting started. Well, Sunday night, it is the rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle. Drew Brees leading the Saints back to Minnesota to face Kirk Cousins and the Vikings on Sunday night football. Football night in America is at 7 Eastern with kickoff at 820. That's Sunday night only on NBC, of course. You know, over the last several years, there has not been one dominant driver at Martinsville. In fact, over the last nine races at the paperclip, there have been eight different winners. The only driver to win twice since 2014 is Kyle Busch. Busch is the defending winner of the Martinsville playoff race and he's confident of having more success on Sunday but he also knows that in the round of eight even the smallest of setbacks can cost him a shot at another Cup Series title. I think you always look at the round of eight as being a challenging round because you're you're with the top eight the best eight and if there's three different winners and you're not one of those guys, there's only gonna be one guy that gets through on points, so you better have the points. The Martinsville playoff race is just so intense because it's so close, like competition is close. You're talking about qualifying first to 25th and you're two tenths apart from one another. The battle at the front and the battle in the middle and everywhere, uh, especially on late race restarts, can get pretty chaotic and pretty hectic. I think some of the things that's gonna separate the guys that make the final four and the guys that don't is uh, mistakes. Um, you know, this business is full of opportunities to excel, but obviously, it's also full of opportunities to make mistakes. I feel like our opportunity as the 18 team winning this round is, is 
every track. Um, you know, we're really good at Martinsville, we've been good at Texas, and we've been fast at Phoenix as well too. So uh, this is a perfect round for us. I feel like it's actually one of our best rounds that we have through the playoffs. When a win presents itself, you gotta go take it. Kyle Busch won in the opening round of the playoffs, and with another victory, he will return to the championship four once again. Here's where he finished this spring on the round of eight tracks. That runner-up at Martinsville was his sixth consecutive top five result there. And you just heard him say it, Jeff. You know, he's confident there and feels like this round is where they're really going to assert themselves in this championship title uh, hunt. I, I just wonder, explain to me what you think has been going on with the 18 team and how confident you are that they are going to show up on Sunday and show us that, in fact, this is the track and this is the round where they are going to go for this title. Well, I think Dale Jarrett made a great point a little while ago that, you know, this racetrack doesn't change like other yep. racetracks do. And, you know, the aerodynamic advances that other teams have made, they're not going to work for you here uh, there's just things that evolve faster at other racetracks than they do here. So I would fully expect the people that ran well in the spring to come here and run well, uh, unless a particular team. You know, think about what we saw at Stuart Haas did at Talladega. A yep. particular team, Hendrick Motorsports, could bring four really, really fast cars here because they hit something. Uh, it, without, other than that, I would fully expect Kyle Busch to come here with a, with a chance to win the race. And I think what he said was that the biggest fear is making mistakes. The biggest fear is having a mistake made for you and you yep. getting taken out by it. I think if they have a clean day, uh, they'll leave here in really good shape. I mean, he finished here second in the spring. He won here last fall. I mean, this this is lining up for him, and as you guys both alluded to, it just doesn't change here. You know, there's nothing. If Joe Gibbs Racing has felt like maybe they've fallen behind some of the other cars, like Stuart Haas, in the development department coming in this playoffs, that doesn't matter here. There's nothing that's going to affect that. So this comes down to Kyle Busch and his understanding of Martinsville and the feel that he wants inside that race car, and he knows it so well. That is why he has the performances here that he does, and he can find that. And if he he does find that, which is probably very similar to what he had in the spring, then you have to expect that they are going to be very fast. And most likely, as you said, if they don't make mistakes, he'll be the normal Cobbus we've seen here. He'll be a top five no matter what. Well, one thing I think that is really important moving forward is that, you know, he and Kevin Harvick are separated by one point. Yeah. And that may not sound like a big deal until you go somewhere and you pick pits by points because of rain or something mm -hmm. happens where that one point matters. So I think that those guys... He and Kevin both realize that they still are racing each other to yep. be the guy that's leading, uh, working themselves through this. And that first stall here. Oh, is my huge. goodness. be huge. Yeah, and you know, guys, Kyle Busch obviously is a great short track racer, but this was a racetrack that he didn't really get a feel for uh, until. He went to Joe Gibbs Racing and he and Denny Hamlin, and Denny is so good at this track, till they started talking. And there were some things that Kyle. Uh, kind of helped uh, Denny with on some bigger tracks, mile and a half and two mile tracks that, that benefited him. And so that helped Denny out a little. Denny shared some of his information with Kyle Busch and all of a sudden, uh, this is a better racetrack for Kyle. That aside, they're all very talented. I think the thing that gives Kyle Busch the chance to win, and if he doesn't win, the, the, the reason that he finishes in the top five so much is he has the best pit crew on pit road. They don't make the mistakes that you're talking about. Uh, Kyle seldom makes mistakes uh, on pit road uh, or doing anything, and I think that because they are so good, that keeps him up in the top five and makes his job a lot easier at this track. So quickly, DJ, he's favored to win this Sunday, and you think that that's a safe bet to take based on past performance, the way that this track applies to him, and also the fact that mistakes may be unlikely with the crew that he has? 
Yeah, I, I think certainly uh, he has to be one of the, the two favorites uh, in this. I think you could, could make a good case uh, for Clint Boyer and, and what he does. Uh, but I'm not sure that either one of them should be favored over a Denny Hamlin and a Jimmy Johnson. So let's see how they come into play. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it in just a little bit, DJ. Don't skip ahead. We're also going to get <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s take on the round of eight when we come back. Which driver does he think has the edge in the penultimate round of the playoffs? We'll hear from Junior when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. The good news is the weather looks promising for the weekend, but it has been raining all day at Martinsville. Trucks practice rained out. It's about 42 degrees today. Pretty constant rain. Parker Kligerman needs a new pair of socks out there, I'm told. Meantime, on a much drier day in NASCAR history, four years ago, Dale Earnhardt Jr. finally got the Martinsville victory that eluded him in 29 previous starts. Jr. passed Tony Stewart after the final restart with four to go and then fended off the challenge of teammate Jeff Gordon to finally bring home the prestigious grandfather clock. Our teammate Steve Letarte, of course, a part of that win as well. It was a big day for Junior. Martinsville and the round of eight were on Junior's mind in this week's edition of the Dale Junior Download. Take a listen. After taking his second win in three weeks at Kansas, Chase Elliott has seized momentum to race in Miami. Junior thinks there's another driver that still has an important edge on Elliott and everybody else in the playoff field. Like I said, take a listen. At the start of that race, he was not a dominant car. He wasn't. And it was all Fords up front. Penske cars, Stuart Haas cars. So if you watch the first half of that race, you wouldn't be impressed with Chase mm -hmm. and and their their speed. If you're saying, all right, tell me who's going to be winning, who's going to be the guys that dominated Homestead, you wouldn't have thought Chase at all. But they made the car better. They certainly had enough speed at the end of the race to uh, to win the race. They weren't, you know, they didn't fall. It wasn't fluky. Yeah, it wasn't fluky. I I think I mean if he's one of the four, if he gets himself to Homestead, I mean obviously you know he's. Got only three other guys to beat that day. I know that, yeah. I know you know that. I'm just saying, like, as he gets closer to the opportunity in Homestead, his chances get better. But he still doesn't have the pure speed that the four has. No one does. No one has the speed that Kevin Harvick has. No one has all season. Mm -hmm. No one has had that speed. Right. On an off day, Kyle Busch has more speed than than, than Harvick. But mm -hmm. when you know Harvick's not going to be off in Homestead. You can guarantee it. Yeah. And Harvick didn't have to be aggressive with their car. Uh, they didn't have to be aggressive with, with how they raced uh, Sunday, but yet they still had plenty of speed. Mm -hmm. You know, so Harvick's pretty sly. <laughs> All right, Jesse, you heard it there from Junior. He is a pretty sly guy, and he's certainly a co-favorite, according to DJ, heading into the weekend. What do you think about this, Jeff? Should Kevin Harvick be the undisputed favorite? Can Chase Elliott beat the four straight up? What's your assessment? Uh, my assessment is, you know, my biggest concern for the four is the four. Uh, they just, you know, their pit road issues have got to get cleaned up. It, it you know, you cannot come to, come to, my, to any racetrack late in the race, have a bad pit stop, get caught speeding on pit road, whatever it happens to be. So, uh, I agree. I think that I think that Kevin, for the majority of the year, has had the fastest car. I don't think it's definitively as as Junior was saying there, because I thought the 18 car was, you know, they swapped it back yeah, and forth, yeah. and then Truex jumped in there 
But for the majority of the year, I think I think Harvick's had the fast car, and I think for the last several weeks he's had the fastest yeah. car. I think if they don't have problems, I think they are the favorite. But the problem that I have a hard, I have a hard time saying they're favorite because they continually have problems. So I. I don't know. I think they have the most speed, but it's not always speed that wins these races. So on my fantasy team, I picked him to win the championship. Me too. Before the, before the playoffs. And it's because of what you just said. Because he had the fastest car. Statistically, he has been the fastest car all season. Now we enter the playoffs, and all anyone who's told me in this garage is, ooh, Stuart Haas brought something more. Oh, they're faster. And we've seen it, right? They've been fast. They've been dominant, like we said, but then they make the mistakes. And why does that happen? I think that's the question they're asking themselves is why does this keep happening to us? Because we are obviously the car to beat in the series. So going to the championship for Miami, though, my opinion, if they, you know, they're going to get there, that's a race that where they know they are going to be the fastest, probably. I, I think what's scary for the rest of the field is I think the 18 and the four both could potentially bring more speed to Homestead than they've had the rest of the year. Because well, that, where they are the in points... just quit then. Where they are in points, <laughs> what Junior was saying was they don't have to bring everything they've got right now. Yeah. Now, they might have to after a bad race, but I think they could have more left to go when they get to Homestead. I, we'll see. That's a scary thought for the rest of the field. That's all I can say. Hey, before we get to DJ on this, just to follow up on what you're saying, Jeff, about mistakes on pit road, Stuart Haas Racing having so many cars left in this thing, does that prevent Kevin Harvick in any way from being able to retool or solve some of those issues on pit road? Some of these other organizations, like you and I discussed with Steve Letard on Monday's NASCAR America, are now devoting all resources to fixing problems. How do they fix fix this problem with mistakes well i so so stuart house racing has not been the best team on pit road top to bottom with their with their, all their cars this year that's been a problem point for all their cars uh the way you fix it is you know we saw this years ago richard children's racing switch pit crews and everybody's like oh my god they switched pit <laughs> crews and now it's become common now we see it happen all the time uh, i you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I know what the problem is in the four car because I don't. They know it much better than I do as far as pit road. But yes, Carolyn, if you are having problem with a particular you know member or or the front or the rear, yes, you can swap that. But you cannot take it from a team that's still in the yep. playoffs. So yep. you know, you are. It's great that you have all four teams in the playoffs, and in some ways, it's not great that you have all four it, teams. It limits in the their depth because then they have to get to the Xfinity team if that's if they have development crew down there, that sort of thing. So it, it just limits your ability to take top tier talent. I mean, if you're Joey Logano and you you're Chase all, Elliott, yeah. you got it all. Like you got the <laughs> entire company behind you. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and I think the, the problem that Harvick and his team are having more is pit issues. It's not necessarily a pit crew member. You know, they've made changes uh, earlier this year, and, and looks like they've got everything there. Some bad luck has, has factored in whenever the lug nut uh, knocked the valve stem out at Dover where they were dominating the race there. And then last week, well, you can't substitute the driver because he's doing his job, and he's the one that messed up speeding on pit road. So you just have to figure out a way to eliminate these things and hope that you've got a little bit better luck in some situations. But there again, uh, as Jeff Burton said, they're not the best on pit road. They're not going to compete with Kyle Busch and his pit crew, but they don't need to lose much, and they don't need to make mistakes that takes a winning race car and driver and put them at the back of the pack. Because you do that this weekend at Martinsville, where it is so hard to, to pass, you do that late, then you're going to find yourself giving up a lot of those points that you've gained throughout the year, and you don't want to do that. Put yourself in a bad spot going to Texas. Yeah, that's a great point. We know that when you combine the playoffs in Martinsville, something has got to give. It usually does. When we come back, we are going to take a look at the drama 
created at the historic paper clip when a ticket to Miami is on the line. Things get ratcheted up even further. We'll be right back. The grandfather clock is ticking, tensions always running high at Martinsville, eight drivers, four races. Who is going to be the first to reach the championship? Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs at Martinsville Sunday at 2.30 Eastern right here on NBCSN is where you need to be. Something you couldn't have expected but was always a possibility. Back has a just wrecked Joey Logano. Some days you're the bat, some days you're the ball. That's a chick right there. The bumper to the back of the 24. Oh, he just wrecked us. necessary and uncalled for. DJ, as a Hall of Famer, describe for us what a few laps are like for us at this place. For those who have never experienced the anxiety, the frustration of this beating, banging, short track racing, you see how it affects the drivers almost every single time. Well, Carol, I think the, the easiest thing that I could say is just look at the stands. They're always filled at Martinsville because they know they're in for a battle. But from a competitor standpoint, you know, you talk about racing at Daytona and Talladega and there's no break there because cars are around you all the time. Well, this is a different type of that because you're encountering cars, traffic, everything all the time. All these drivers are talented. And the other thing that you need and is of utmost importance is patience. And But not every driver has the same level of patience when it comes to Martinsville. You get hit early in the race and uh, all of a sudden you're in a totally different mindset and by the time uh, you're at the end of the race you might be mad at five guys and you might have ten mad at you. You don't know what's going to happen. So it just makes it so difficult. It's great fun. Uh, there's no better short track racing in the country uh, but it's so hard to keep your cool throughout all of this and make sure that you have a car uh, that's still has the fenders on it and enough to, to get the job done at the end and you have the mindset to make all of that happen too. How easy is it, Parker, to make an enemy at this place? Uh, incredibly. I think we've all had probably an enemy here. And you know what? It's actually funny. Kyle Busch said at the beginning of the show and that little piece we had with him where he said, you know, the racing's intense throughout the field. And DJ, you kind of alluded to it, but I don't care if you're racing for first or 31st. In a cup race at Martinsville, it is the most intense racing you'll ever have. Sometimes even back there in 25th or so, it can be the most intense you ever had because you're not only trying to outrun the guys around you, but you're trying to get away from the leader just not to get lapped. So it is an incredibly tight racetrack and there's just no way to leave here. I don't think I've ever left here thinking well i like everyone inside this field there's never never been a race and you're always pretty convinced that there's a lot of people who don't like you yeah <laughs> i mean yep. there's just no way around it you're gonna be hitting people uh even when you're not intending to hit them and uh, one thing about martinsville too there's some racetracks a uh, new hampshire comes to mind you get into somebody on a restart well down the back straightaway you can pull over and let them go you know like okay i know you're mad at me just go ahead can't do that here. There's no way <laughs> no. to get away from the guy. So even when you know you did something wrong, it's hard to make it up. <laughs> it's making me feel claustrophobic, DJ, just thinking <laughs> about it. That's a good example. Um, so, DJ, you brought up earlier non-playoff drivers who might be able to win this thing. And I think I recall you mentioning Denny Hamlin specifically. And, of course, you always have to talk about Jimmy Johnson at this track and put it in this conversation. You look at the most wins at Martinsville here, and those two drivers at the top are on the outside looking in. So how realistic 
realistic is it? And, and you have to take past stats and history and stuff with a grain of salt when you look at performance, like Jeff mentioned earlier. How realistic is it that one of these drivers could screw something up for somebody else this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very possible. And I know that Jeff Burton mentioned earlier that stats, you can kind of throw them out the window. But those kind of stats right there, when you're talking about victories, I think Jeff will agree 100%. When you're talking about that many wins at a racetrack, uh, then you're talking about something that's very viable. And Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson could certainly uh, make a difference in the outcome of this race. Uh, what I'm interested in is to see how far are they willing to go uh, versus a playoff driver in trying to get a win. Both of these drivers, not only are they good at Martinsville, but they have long winning streaks over the years. Jimmy, 16 straight years uh, that he's won a race. Denny with 12. Neither one of them have won this year. They would dearly love to, to check that off and make sure that they can continue that into next year and I just wonder how far we saw Jimmy Johnson at the Roval in Charlotte you know how much more that meant to him than moving on to the next round of the playoffs so I'm very intrigued about this weekend as to the possibilities and what might happen and it's not only Jimmy and Denny there are other drivers that are very capable drivers at Martinsville that could mix it up and possibly take a win and then that means that we would have two drivers getting in to Homestead uh, via points. Jeff, I very rarely disagree with a Hall of Famer, but I'm not so sure I'm on board with what DJ just said when it comes to Jimmy Johnson's performance and what we've seen from his team, even though he's had all this success in the past at this track. Do you agree with DJ? Well, I, I agree with DJ. When, when you have nine wins, that's you know pretty clear. You know what you need to do. I don't know if they have the speed to get that ninth win, uh, but but you know to DJ's point, what are they willing to do? I think one of the hardest things. Uh, in all of sports, is to be a guy in a cup race during the playoffs that's not in the playoffs. Because what is the right etiquette? What, yeah. How do you race those guys? And you don't want to take a guy out. But if you have a shot to win the race, you're going to do what you got to do. I'm not saying you're going to wreck a guy, but I think Jimmy Johnson, Denny Hamlin, uh, to, you know, DJ's correct. Like they want to win. They don't want this to end their winning streak. And, and you're at Martinsville, a place they're both really good. I think that you'll see both of them. Uh, doing what they need to do to try to get this win. So I don't want to say I'm disagreeing with you and a Hall of Famer and DJ, but, but no. I'm just getting, well, okay. So hold on, <laughs> hold up for a second. I'm just gonna say that I think in recent years we've not quite seen the performance out of that 48 car that we yeah. expect here. And I think with the newest announcement that he and Chad Knauss are splitting up, this is the last time they'll be going to Martinsville together. I think it's had an opposite effect in that race team that they're kind of if this weekend doesn't show some of the glimpses that we've seen out of them or some of the speed we've seen out of them in recent years, and they're not really contending for a top five or even maybe going for a win, then I think this really sets them up for they are not going to win a race this year. And I, I think it plainly said it. I know that's, I'm sounding like a rocket scientist to you, but I'm <laughs> just saying I think this is it. I think this is their last chance to get that win in that 48 car, to go out with a win together in their final season and then go off in their separate ways. So I, I think there's a little bit of pressure on that 48 in that sense. No, Parker, don't say that you disagree with them. Just say that you agree with me. Because that's basically there what you go. I just that's said. Okay, so start then there. Then we can just disagree. It's like, uh, you know, power of community here. We're all disagreeing. No. Carolyn, um, li Carolyn likes to <laughs> argue. Or, or, I'm sorry, debate. You like debate. to debate. I, that's what I, it is. I enjoy a healthy debate from time to time. Um, there's no debate about the fact that there's a whole lot of tradition associated with the weekend. I think everybody can agree on that when it comes to Martinsville. It has been on the NASCAR schedule since year one. It continues to provide thrills season after season. The guys give their take on Martinsville and the tradition there when we come back.
Welcome back, everybody. Plenty of wild moments at Martinsville over the years. Here's the top five. Number five, Jeff, you were in this one. A stuck throttle leads to a hard crash for Truex in the spring of 2011. Yeah, stuck throttle at a lot of racetracks is a bad thing. I think Martinsville is perhaps one of the worst because you don't have time to respond to it. It just goes in there. It's nothing you can do. DJ number four, the fall of 1987. Push coming to shove for three Hall of Famers here. Oh, yeah, great hard racing. We can see that this weekend. DW getting two for one. That's the best way to do it right there. <laughs> Our third moment is from the spring of 2012. Just Gordon and Jimmy Johnson Parker looking for Hendrick Motorsports 200th win, but they'd get taken out in overtime. Yeah, you have uh, two for one, and here's three for none. Basically, Clint Blair does all the dirty work, and Ryan Newman drives all you on by as those three spin out, gets the win. Number two, uh, last ball's playoff race. We all remember this, Denny Hamlin, Dubman Chase Elliott, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, this was crazy. Denny Hamlin just into the back of the 24 way too hard, and uh, this was kind of Chase Elliott's moment, I think, where he said, all right, enough, I'm not taking any more. Uh, you saw him after the race. This is something you hadn't seen from Chase. And I think this is what helped push Chase forward a little bit, gave him a little bit of confidence in some kind of weird way that he could stand up. And I never thought I'd hear the hometown crowd of Denny Hamlin's actually booing him. That's crazy. <laughs> Number one, DJ, 2015 playoff race, Kenza taking revenge on Joey Logano. Yeah, a little run in uh, a couple weeks before Kansas. Uh, Kansas was out of the playoffs. He'd had a little problem here. And, uh, uh, but. You know, sometimes as a driver, you just feel like you've got to take things uh, into your own hands, and, and Jeff Gordon will get that final win. Yeah, great moment for him. Hey, we've got some bonus moments. Jeff, Martinsville means a lot to your family. What did it mean for you to win there in 1997? Yeah, that was an awesome win. That was a few weeks after I had to get out of the car. I had really bad dizziness, couldn't hardly, could hardly stand up, and then come a few weeks later and win at Martinsville was quite a day. And then, DJ, you got your Martinsville win in 2001. Yeah, I always wanted to, to win at this racetrack. I'd, I'd come close uh, in Xfinity car a number of times, and uh, this, uh, our strategy actually backfired, and we ended up hitting an extra time, and I had fresher tires, which helped me be able to drive to the front. But uh, uh, such a thrill uh, to, to win at this racetrack. Well, you know, Martinsville Speedway has awarded that grandfather clock to race winners like those two since Fred Lorenzen's victory there in the fall of 1964. Those clocks do a lot more than tell the time. They remind you to make the most of the time that you have. And that is what the A playoff drivers look to do this weekend as Nate Ryan elaborates on that thought. There is no track that chimes in its winners with a more overt reminder of time's importance to NASCAR. The grandfather clock that awaits in Victory Lane at Martinsville Speedway signifies the start of the round of eight. And the unrelenting march of its hands symbolizes an undeniable reality. Time is a constant element, never stopping, never quitting, challenging us to keep pace. Benny Hamlin jacked up the 24. For half of the remaining eight drivers in the playoffs, Time will begin running out at Martinsville. Tippers are flaring. Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. At Martinsville, it's all about rhythm. The fastest way around the flat circuit is with the same metronomic precision embodied by its signature trophy. And every pass must be measured precisely, carefully, in such close quarters with maximum pace. For some, it's time to cement a legacy or to start a new one. For the Stuart Haas Racing Fords of Eric Almirola, Clint Boyer, Kurt Busch, and Kevin Harvick, it's time to lay claim to possibly recording the greatest season ever by a four-car team. Yes! We did it! 
For Martin Truex Jr. and Furniture Row Racing, it's time to deliver NASCAR's greatest swan song. For Joey Logano, it's finally time to realize potential. For Chase Elliott, it's time to validate popularity. For Kyle Busch, it's time to take yet another championship bow. The moment is coming. The time to make a final run in the playoffs is now. It's time to wind it all up at Martinsville Speedway, where everyone is on the clock once again. Our thanks to Nate for that. Martinsville Speedway has hosted 139 NASCAR Cup Series races dating back to 1949. Only Daytona International Speedway has hosted more, and it is also worth noting that between Martinsville and Richmond Raceway, the state of Virginia annually hosts four Cup Series points races. That's the most of any state on the circuit. Uh, Jeff, I love what Nate Ryan did there, this notion that time waits for no man, and we've certainly seen that at Martinsville in the past. It leads to this sense of anticipation this weekend that this is the time for these drivers to capitalize on what they want. Yeah, and it's the time on a, uh, perhaps the most difficult racetrack to run all year. I think the roll may have may have pushed this back <laughs> to second, but you know the fact that uh, this track is hard makes it special. And you know, Carolyn, it's amazing to me uh, there was a time several years ago in this sport where people were talking about Martinsville only deserves one race. Well, let me tell you something. Martinsville deserves four. This racetrack <laughs> is incredible. It's short track racing. It's what we need. Uh, this is what this sport was built on, and we have to always be here. If we're, if we're going to be the sport you know that we want to be, we yep. also have to remember the past. And this racetrack certainly is that. Well, first of all, I just want to say Nate Ryan does a great job of those pieces. And that gave me a little bit of chills just watching that and seeing, you know, especially talking about potential for Joe Logano and that sort of thing. But I agree with you. You know, short track racing is great because, you know, for so much of the season, we talk about aerodynamics and development of those things. And then when we come here, it doesn't matter. It's just straight up stock car racing. This is about a driver and a car and a team trying to make that car work best in a half mile. And it's awesome racing. It's fun to be a part of. It's fun to be here. It's great history. It's great tradition. And it has a cool trophy at the end. And this is what NASCAR is all about. This is what we should be doing week in and week out. The more short tracks, the better. I'm just going to say hashtag safe short tracks, right? That's, I guess that's the hashtag out there these days. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I can't add much to what you guys say. I'll just say this: it, it provides the and produces the slowest speeds of any oval that they race on. It's the easiest racetrack to overdrive as a driver that there is, and it's the hardest place to pass another car that there is. So that's why it creates all the excitement that it does, because all of those things make a difference, and there is no better racing than at Martinsville Speedway. Man, you guys are making me excited for the weekend here. Let's look at this weekend slate of racing at Martinsville when we come back. And we've got a lot of other things to talk about as we wrap things up. We're also going to take a peek at Parker Kligerman's latest project. Stay with us. We'll be right back. One of the top moments from this season brought to you by Coca-Cola. The very first race of the season, the Daytona 500. Not only did Austin Dillon win the Great American Race, but Coke drivers finished 1, 2, 3, 4. Bubba Wallace finished second, his best finish ever in a cup race. Denny Hamlin, the 2016 Daytona 500 winner, finishing third. And Joey Logano, 2015 Daytona 500 winner, was fourth. So will we see another top moment this weekend at Martinsville? Our coverage begins Saturday with practice and qualifying on CNBC and NBCSN. And then on Sunday, the round of eight begins. Will the first spot in the championship be claimed? Coverage starts here on NBCSN with NASCAR America at 1 Eastern. We hope you're with us 
for that. By the way, Parker Quigerman is co-hosting a new show right here on NBCSN. It's called Proving Grounds. It debuted last week, and the second episode airs Sunday night after our coverage from Martinsville. So here's a sneak peek of that. Today on a very special Proving Grounds, we've got an orange Mustang, a red Jaguar, and a yellow Corvette. America, that is the definition of this country's freedom, son. And it makes the noise! Holy power! <laughs> so, Parker, we should note that uh, no deer were harmed in the filming nope. of the second episode. No actual deer. It, it's just, exactly. It just fainted from amazement there as, it, as the uh, Polaris razor went by at the hands of Lee Keen. But you know what? The first episode came out last weekend. I was humbled by the response from so many people. There's a lot of positive response out there. So very thankful for that. And I even had a bunch of people in the garage today while we were sitting around in the rain coming up to me and going, hey, man, what'd you think of that car? What'd you think of this car? So hopefully they enjoy this episode. It's kind of the, a very American theme episode with the Mustang, the Corvette, and that Corvette is insane. It has 650 horsepower, 600 pound-feet of torque. I think I could use it, actually. If I went out there in the truck series, I might be faster in my truck in that thing. I don't know. It'd be awesome. <laughs> it is going to make um, make way to NBCSN after Victory Lap, after our Martinsville coverage. So just be with us basically all night on NBCSN. Just leave it on the channel. Yes. You don't, don't even touch it all day. <laughs> you have a lot of work to do before that episode airs, my friend. Um, I know you're getting amped up about the potential for a clock after watching us talk about it and listening to Nate Ryan. Yeah, so tomorrow I'm just going to jump directly in qualifying. So your son and I will just jump in there and figure out this racetrack as quick as we can and uh, qualify for this race. And then once we get in there, it's 200 laps here around the paperclip. So it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully it's a nicer day than we had today. It looks like the weather's going to be good. And the fun thing about here is, especially the trucks, is that it, you never know what kind of race you're going to get. Sometimes you get those long green flag runs. And then sometimes it comes down the end and you've got to go through five or ten restarts that are just absolutely insane. You know, the, the, the very unique part of, of today was it rained all day and then they went, they're going straight to qualifying. No yeah. practice. None at all. So straight I know all the Cub drivers went, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> this could happen to us? Like we could go to Texas and just qualify without practice? Be interesting to see if they use this format moving forward because I, mm. it may have happened in the past, but I just don't yeah. remember it. I don't know. This is this is a first for me, but uh, I think you, as you and I were discussing, we're all trying to figure out the strategy of like, you know, the hardest thing about this place, especially when it's really cold, is that you have no temp in anything, no temp in the brakes, no temp in the tires. So it can be really hard to even get around those first couple laps. Hey, DJ, it's going to be really easy up here. <laughs> yeah, <come laughs> <enjoy it> Y'all <up. laughs> hey, just talked me out or, or made it uh, me clear to me that I know exactly why I'm not in this anymore and trying to do that. Thankfully, we didn't have the, any of those issues. I'm not sure how good I would be just jumping in, qualifying, and then go race. <laughs> Jeff, when well, do you I'll think? I'll let you know because I have no idea how good I'll be either. So <laughs> no one else does either. <laughs> they might they might say they got to figure it out, but nobody knows. Uh, Jeff, when do you think this sense of anticipation for what this next round is going to bring quickly is really going to ratchet up? When this weather gets out of here, is it go time for all these playoff drivers? Last Sunday night. <laughs> I mean, you know, when that, when last Sunday night got done, everybody, everybody immediately went to Martinsville. It's it's such a difficult racetrack. It's going to be so important. They're already there. Uh, they got there after last week's race. We can't wait to get to the weekend. Can't Thanks so much that. for joining us. We will be here all weekend on NBCSN. You can always log on to NASCARtalk.NBCSports.com. Check out the latest from Nate Ryan. Thanks for watching. We'll be with you here on NBCSN all weekend long. We'll see you then.
This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.